Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Let's welcome Mr. Walters, who's preaching today. Three sixteen are staying in. Do you want to know that? I, I knew that. Okay, you knew. <laughs> That's right. They know that. They know that. We all know that. We all know that. I was the only person who didn't know that. Okay. You do now. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to pray for Chris because it looks like we all need it this morning. Um, <laughs> Father, we thank you for what's in Chris's heart and what he's prepared. We just pray you breathe even more life on it than there is already. Uh, bless him. Thank you for his personality, his enthusiasm, and his passion for you. And God um, bless him as he blesses us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're carrying on. We've got a series on the go at the moment um, called Living Differently. So look at one Peter book in the Bible. Uh, we're interspersing it with things like baptisms last week and um, uh, adoptions next week. But this is what we're doing over the course of the next few weeks or so. Uh, and today we are going to be carrying on a look at that. Before we start and before we look at it, I'd like to discuss this word authority. It's not a particularly popular word. It gets a bit of stick from time to time. It conjures up all sorts of images of people saying, don't do this, don't do that, stop having so much fun. You know, images of health and safety officers, that kind of thing. And like it or not, however, certain people have certain amounts of authority in certain situations. So, for instance, if you were to go to a swimming pool, you'd find that there was a lifeguard has overall authority in the swimming pool. We were away last week. And um, we were in a splash pool, and uh, I, I, being quite excited about being in the splash pool, I sort of dumped my towel on the nearest chair I could find, and then just ran to the nearest slide that I could find. I get up, I get on this slide, I sit down, I'm all prepared to do a massive wee down this slide, and, and then I hear this, I sit down, not that type of wee. I sit down on this slide and I don't go anywhere, right? I'm just, all this water's gushing past me. I'm not moving anywhere. I'm sort of just trying to scoot myself down this slide. And as I'm going down, I hear this whistle start blowing. I thought, oh no, here we go. And this lifeguard's coming over. But instead of coming over and talking to me, he comes over and complains at Amy about me. Okay. (laughs) Somehow he's figured out we're related. And he comes over and has a go at Amy. And and this this is a recurring theme in our marriage, really, isn't it? People... (laughs) don't tend to have a go at me about the things I do. They have a go at Amy, and she's since earned the title of the head of Chris Walter's complaints department. Um, So if you have any complaints about me at any point, that's the person to go and talk to. If you were to go to a school instead of uh, a swimming pool... Why did they blow the whistle? Because I was on a kid's slide. Sorry. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There there was a kid's slide, adult slide. I just hit the kid's one. Um, Well, I couldn't. I tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got down eventually. It took a, it took a while. Um, but anyway, if you were to go to a school, you, you'd find that it's the head teacher who has overall authority. Uh, if you were to look at the, the greatest team in European football at the moment, you'd see it's Jurgen Klopp who has ultimate authority over the team. And if you were to go back in time and visit the early church, you'd find that there's a guy called Peter who has overall authority over the church. Now, Peter is a guy who gets a bit of stick. If you ever listen to any of Mike Pilavachi's preaching, 
he kind of picks up on the, the, the stupid side of Peter. He picks up on the side of Peter who, who denies Jesus three times, who does, says and does some pretty stupid stuff. Uh, he picks up on the fact that he sank while he was trying to walk on water. And while all those things are true, and it is very funny listening to Mike talk about those things, um, Peter actually is an incredible character in the Bible. He's one of my favourites. I can relate to him quite a lot. He says and does some stupid stuff. And I think he's a fantastic person because he doesn't get knocked down. He just gets back up again. He gets on and he loves Jesus with all his heart. Um, He's the guy who, instead of denying Jesus three times, he's the guy who went furthest with Jesus than any other disciple. He denied Jesus in the courtyard where Jesus was being arrested. All the other disciples had abandoned him at this point. He's the guy who got out of the boat and who did walk on water. Sure, he sank a little bit, but he walked a lot more on water than any other of the disciples did. And he is the guy on whom Jesus said he would build his church. And it's this guy who has the authority in the early church that we're reading his words of. This letter is a, a letter written to, to the early churches, to the early believers in and around the area. And, um, and it's written with Peter's authority. And while the world may have changed in the last 2,000 years, Peter's wisdom, his authority, his experience has not changed. Okay? So as we read this, um, I'd I just like us to remember the authority with which it's written. Okay? If you go back in time and visit him, it would be Peter that you'd answer to. It would be Peter that would tell you what to do and what not to do. And so these are the words of that man who we read right now. 1 Peter 1, 13, 17 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert, and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Um, I've underlined and highlighted the phrase, be holy because I am holy. Here Peter is quoting from Leviticus. He's reminding the people of what God said to to the people when he gave his law in the book of Leviticus. And he reminds us believers that we need to be holy because God is holy. Um, Who remembers the show Mythbusters? Few people. Brilliant show, right? Do they still make it? Is it still? You'll see it on like Dave or Pick or something like that on the... Anyway, it's a brilliant show. What they did, they're like a team of scientists um, and they tried to to figure out scientifically whether um, things were were true or not. Um, So, for instance, there was this one time they tried to uh, prove the myth of... uh, You you heard the myth that bulls hate the colour red? Uh, Okay, so they they tried to prove whether that was true or not. So what they did, this team of scientists, they hired out a bull ring, um, not not the one in Birmingham, uh, just this this big... (laughs) The bullfighting, the matador arenas, they call it bull rings, do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so they get a bull and they, they sort of let it loose. But in this bull ring, they've put some coloured blocks. Okay, So the first time they let the bull loose, they've got like this big green block in there and they see whether the bull charges at it, doesn't charge at it. The next time they put this red block in there and they see whether the bull charges at it, doesn't charge at it. And then they put this blue block in there, see if the bull charges at it, he doesn't charge at it. So what they do, because they're intelligent scientists, they don't stop there. They take the experiment up a notch and what they do is they dress people up in these, car- these colours and put them into the bull ring. Okay, so you've got this bull that's been released and this is guy dressed all in blue in the middle of the bull ring. 
bull doesn't charge at him. He, uh, then they get another guy and they dress him all in red and they put him in the middle of the bull ring. They release the bull and the bull doesn't charge at him. Then they do it again with someone dressed in green or blue. I don't know what colour I said over there anymore. Uh, but basically the bull doesn't charge. Okay? So then they take it up a notch again and they get full-on matadors, the people in the costumes with the waving flags, and they, they release the bull into it. So they get a matador, they dress him in green, He's got a green flag, he's waving the flag, and the bull charges at him. And then they get another one, they dress him all in red, and the bull charges at him, and then blue again, and the bull charges at him. And what they conclude from this experiment is that bulls don't hate the colour red. What they hate is the movement of the flags, which is why you see matadors moving it around and waving it, and then the bull charges. So the myth that they bust in this episode is that bulls hate the colour red. I used to be really scared when I used to walk through um, fields of cows because I thought, oh no, I used to wear my Liverpool kit a lot, so I was dressed full in red. And, uh, and I used to walk through these fields of cows and I'd be looking out for the ones with the horns and I'd be like hiding behind my mum and I'd be like, take her, not me. Um, LAUGHTER but I, I, did, I had no need to fear, apparently, and, and I, was, I was always all right. Another, another myth they tried to bust, it was the 747 can flip a bus, so they got a 747 on a runway, they drive a bus behind it, jet engine blows it over. That's not a myth, that's actually true. If you're ever driving a bus, don't drive it behind a plane. Um, <laughs> mobile phones blow up petrol stations, apparently that's a myth that they busted. Yeah, Keely knows, have you used your phone at a petrol station? Oh, did you? Okay, yeah, yeah, So It's very, very good watching. So... <laughs> So what they do is they bust all these myths um, or not. And what I want to do right now is just bust, bust this myth around the word holy. Because that conjures up all sorts of images as well. And I think sometimes we have um, a, a poor understanding of it, which leads to confusion. And, we, and we're not really sure what it means. So when God says to us, be holy because I am holy, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. What holy doesn't mean is perfect. God is not calling us to be perfect because he is perfect. You do not need to be the Pope in order to fulfil what God is calling us here to do. He's saying he doesn't say be perfect because I am perfect. Another thing it doesn't mean is weird. Christians have had a good reputation over the years. Oh, well, no, we haven't had a good reputation. We've gained a reputation for being quite weird. Okay, Things like socks and sandals, that's quite weird. That's very stereotypically Christian. We were, uh, We took... I, I did notice the front row here. There's no socks. There's lots of sandals. So you're all right. You're all right. But we, we took some of the guys to, um, some of the young guys to a thing called Tough Talk on Monday night. And um, it's about these, uh, it, these guys sharing their testimonies who are like quite um, ex-bodybuilders, ex-gang members, that sort of thing. And they were sharing their testimony about how they came to, to become Christians. And there's one guy who was saying he, um, when he was invited to church, he, all the... The stereotypical idea of a Christian that he had was based on Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. And so that, that's all he knew about Christians, was that we're all a little bit weird, that we all wear socks and sandals, that kind of thing. We've gained this weird, weird, weird reputation. Another thing that is very weird and that I have a personal vendetta against is free hugs. Right? I am not, I am not the biggest hugger in the world. And you get this quite a lot as Soul Survivor. You get the, these young people sort of dressed up in shirts that say free hugs and they stand on the corner and they shout, free hugs, free hugs. And I just think it is weird because when have you ever paid for a hug? <laughs> you are not offering anything that I cannot get anywhere else. You have no unique selling point. It doesn't need to be done. Okay, and it's just bizarre when you've got this 13-year-old asking for a hug from you. It's, kind of, oh, it's all sorts of weird. <laughs> Okay, 
I got that off my chest. That's good. So God here does not say be weird because I am weird. What he says is be holy because I am holy. And what holy means is set apart. It means different. It means to have a special purpose. Peter here reminds us that God tells us to be perfect, not perfect, different because he is different, to be set apart because he is set apart and to have a special purpose because he has a special purpose. We hosted um, a girls' night at our place a few weeks ago. It wasn't, wasn't supposed to be a girls' night, it was just only girls came and he filled. Um, so inevitably we got talking about shoes. Uh, so I wanted to share with you the entirety of my shoe collection this morning. Um, I don't think that's a lot of shoes. For, for a bloke, anyone got any more than that? Naked Jakes. Naked Jakes, yes. Yeah, I said for a bloke. But um, this is my shoe collection, okay? I'll, I'll run through them from left to right. These are my work shoes. They're comfortable. I can stand up in them all day. They don't hurt. They're practical. I like them. Next up are my shoes I'm wearing right now. They are my trendy sneakers. Uh, here my football boots. I've got indoor, outdoor. Then I've got my flip-flops. I've got my beach ones and some sturdier ones. And then I've got my special shoes. I only have two pairs. I, I, until recently, I only had one. I bought one pair of special shoes when I was 18 so I could go out clubbing. Um, and they've lasted me about 10 years. Now I've got these shoes. Um, I only wear these on special occasions when I'm going to, to a wedding or what have you. Um, but they have a very different purpose to the rest of my shoes. Okay? They don't come out very often. They are set apart. You could call them holy. Okay? <laughs> don't have any holes in them. They're, they're new. £14 from Primark, right? And um, they have a special purpose. I bring them out of the... Not that they're in a cupboard, but I bring them out when I need to, okay? They are different from the rest. They are set apart from the rest. They are special. Peter then um, moves on to uh, liken being holy to living as foreigners in, um, in the land that we're in. Um, underlined it there. He, he draws this image that as believers we should consider ourselves to be foreigners living here on earth. Um, we happen to have a couple of Polish friends who are, who are foreigners here in this land. Nice to have you. Sorry about Brexit still. Um, and they invited us round a few months ago and, and they, did, uh, they did what I thought was a traditional Polish dish for us. Okay? So we had lunch, we came round, it was very nice. We were sat at the table, we were waiting for the cooking to be delivered and it was fantastic when it arrived. Uh, it, it, had this, it was chicken or something and there was something stuffed in it and there was something wrapped round it and there was something next to it. Uh, there was a severe lack of artichokes, but you can't have everything, can you? But when it came out, I, I, I ate it, and it was phenomenal. It was fantastic, right? If you, want, if you like Polish cooking, then, then Jonas is the man to go to for it, okay? And, and I ate it, and I ate it, and I ate it, and then I finished it, and Jonas would say, would you like more? I said, yes, Jonas, I would like more. So Jonas gave me more, and then I had more, and it was fantastic, right? A few weeks ago, I said to them, oh, you remember that time you invited us round? And, uh, and we had that, that chicken, you know, there was the stuff in it, there was the stuff next to it, there was the stuff round it. And, and I said to them, what was it called? You know, that traditional Polish dish you did for us. And they said, oh, that was a Jamie Oliver recipe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fine, whatever. I thought I had been treated to something from another culture. What I was given was Jamie Oliver. Uh, either way, it was fantastic. The point I was trying to make with that is that we as believers have a culture. 
We, we have a culture that, that we pick up from the teachings of Christ. He says us to love one another, to serve one another, to care for one another, to pray for one another. All these things that's part of our culture. And it is up to us, and we should consider us ourselves as foreigners here living, and it is up to us to share that culture with the people around us, with our friends, our families, our communities. And it is our job to leave them wanting more. In the same way that Jamie Oliver leaves me wanting more, it is our job to be leaving our friends and families wanting more because what we've got is so good. As followers of Christ, we should be a blessing to others with our culture. We should be sharing it. We shouldn't be stingy. We should be offering more and more and more. 1 Peter 1, 23, 24. Oh, no, don't do that. That's the one. Um, Peter then moves on and he says, For you have been born again but not to an eternal life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in a field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Um, Peter here touches on uh, a couple of different things. He touches on one, the eternal assurance that we have as believers. He says, we were born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. So he reminds us that because of our faith in Jesus Christ and what he achieved at the cross, we have an eternal insurance that when we die, that is not the end, that we will go on, that we will live for eternity in this place the Bible describes as heaven and that is our eternal assurance. He also quotes from Isaiah, he says people are like grass, their beauty is like a flower in the field, the grass withers and the flower fades. He touches on this eternal assurance and he touches on the fact that life is short. Life is very short. Um, I'm going to introduce you to uh, a guy called Francis Chan. I absolutely love him. He's a hero of mine. I put him up there next to the likes of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Steven Gerrard. He is in that category of infamous people that hold a special place in my heart. Um, he's an he's a American-Chinese pastor. He was born in China, grew up in America, and he pastors a church. I look, um, I, I look at a lot of his stuff on YouTube, and just the way he communicates the gospel and what's written in the Bible is phenomenal, and I'd recommend him to absolutely anyone. I'm going to show you a little clip. Um, that I showed some of the young people a few weeks ago. In fact, right now, do this for me. Take the deepest breath you can right now. Now let it go. Do you realize you were only able to do that because someone allowed you to? Like, God determines whether... He gives me another one. I'm not in control of this. He gave me another one. And at any moment, he can stop that. At any moment. And literally, I've had friends while they're up here pass away and stand before God. And so I I take this very seriously. In fact, I remember one time, there was this friend of mine. He was at a funeral. He was at a funeral, and he was giving a eulogy, you know, talking about the person who died. And he looks at this crowd and he decides, you know what, I'm going to tell these people about how to get to heaven. So he starts explaining to them, look, I know this person who's in this coffin and I know he's going to heaven because I remember the day when he recognized his own sinfulness and how he started to believe that Jesus died on that cross for his sins. And he explained how to get to heaven and then he pointed to the crowd and he says, look, you never know when God is going to take your life. And at that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. 
Are you ready? And then he said it again. He looks at the crowd at the funeral. He goes, you never know the moment when God is going to take your life. And at that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. Are you ready? Then he sits down, falls over, and dies. It's not funny. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, I, one of the reasons I absolutely love Francis Chan is that he just has this real understanding that life is short. Uh, he, he talks at the beginning of this clip about how his mum died while, he, he was, while she was giving birth to him, um, and then how his, his stepmom died, his dad died, uncles died, and by the time he's 15, he sort of lost a lot of his close family and just has this incredible understanding that life is short. He also has this incredible understanding of this eternal assurance that, that Peter speaks about, that this, this shortness of life mixed with this eternal assurance equals living differently. There's just an qu- equation there that he's just got in his head. Um, he wrote a book a few years ago called Crazy Love, and um, it ended up he made millions from it. And, uh, and he, he shares this, not to say, oh, look, I'm a millionaire or whatever, uh, but to say, look, you know, what he's actually done with that money is he's gone around the world, he's built schools, he's built hospitals, he's not spent a penny of it. Now, if you were to ask me if I had a million pounds or dollars, uh, my, list, my to-do list with that would probably be a little bit different. Uh, I'd like to think that there's, you know, give some of it away, but, um, you know, there's a season ticket at Anfield that I could buy, you know, there's a Champions League <laughs> final coming up. I, I, I could go to those things with a million pounds quite easily. Um, but he just has this assurance of his eternal life and he has this understanding that life is short that causes him to live differently to live in a way that is set apart to live in a way that has a special purpose to his life to live in a way that God calls him to be holy and I find that inspirational and at some point in um, our our journeys with with Christ we need to come to a point where uh, the idea of living for ourselves changes and it changes to living to meet the needs of other people because that is what Jesus calls us to. That is the life that he demonstrated while he was here. Um, There's two things I do when I go to bed at night, every night. doesn't matter when I go to bed, whether it's an early night, late night, doesn't matter where I go to bed, whether I'm at home or away somewhere. It doesn't matter who I go to bed with, whether it's Amy or someone else. It's a joke. It's a joke. But there are two things I do when I go to bed tonight. One thing I do is I thank God for the day that I've been given because every, every day is a blessing from God. Um, as Francis Chan says, you know, you take breaths and it's God that gives you that day. Whether it's a good day or a bad day, it's a day that God has given me in my life. So I thank God for it. The second thing is a new habit that I've started getting into recently. Uh, it's only in the last few months or so I've started doing this. But I've started asking myself the question every night when I go to bed, have I made a difference in someone else's life today? Now, I've not got to the point where I can say yes to that question every single day. There are some times I go to bed and I'd sort of, I'm really tenuous about it. And I go, oh, yeah, well, I did, I did let that other person go when I was driving. That's not making a huge difference. Is it? I mean, it's a little difference, but it's quite tenuous. But there are other days when I get to bed and it, I, I think to myself, yeah, I've made a real difference in someone else's life today because I've said this, because I've done that. And I think this is a question that I ask myself because it challenges me to live differently. It challenges me to live in a way that is set apart, that is different, that has a special purpose. It challenges me to live in a way that God calls me to. And I think it's a good question 
uh, for, for all of us as believers to be asking um, ourselves. Uh, it's important to remember that you don't need to be a follower of Christ to do good stuff. You don't need to be a, a believer to, to be able to do good. But I think that in order to be a believer, in order to be a follower of Christ, doing good stuff is part of the job description. It should just be quite natural. It should be quite our, our first thought to do good and live differently in the lives of other people. Um, when I was a teenager, I, I grew up in Portsmouth and um, I did these things called police identity lineups. Uh, so you, you, have you ever seen the films where... <laughs> I was never the suspect. <laughs> All right. there, there are these, um, you, you know, in films where you've got like, a load of criminals stood against the wall and then you've got the, the one-way mirror, two-way mirror. We had this conversation yesterday. What way was it? One-way, two-way? One-way mirror. Okay, so they, they can see you, but you can't see them. Okay, and you've all got numbers. Uh, so if my, my details were on record with the police, uh, so they had my, um, my build. So, you know, if, if there was a suspect that had been arrested and was being tried for a criminal that was, you know, six foot two, incredibly good looking, well built, they would call me and they would, say, they would say, Chris, we have this suspect and they look just like you. And I'd say, yes, yes, Mr. Policeman, I will be there. Sometimes my mum answered the phone and she said, Chris, the police are on the phone. What have you done? I said, it's not me, mum, honest. And, uh, and so I'd go along to these identity lineups and I'd stand there with these other people who look a bit like me. It was quite weird. And, um, and there'd be a, a witness on the other side of the glass and they'd be picking out the person who did it. Uh, now, this became, a, in, in essence, it's a game of spot the criminal. Okay, so there's one guy who the police think did it and uh, the others are all just innocent. We got paid for this as well. We got like a tenner a go. And when you're 15, that's a lot of Freddos, okay? <laughs> Back then it was anyway. Now it's probably two. Um, but it, it became a game of spot the criminal. Can I have my bananas and oranges, please? Excellent, thank you. Pumarangi, love it. Uh, can I have you three as well, please? Give them a round of applause. <laughs> While you're sat there. We're not having a game of spot the criminal. We are having a game of spot the banana. Just in case you're not clear, this is the banana, right? It's also a congregational intelligence test. I'm figuring out whether this, the congregation, are intelligent or not. Um, you look like a bit of a banana. Right, oranges there for you. The rules of this game are very simple. One of these people has a banana. The others have oranges. I need you to tell me which one has the banana. I'm hearing Chris. Excellent. Thank you very much. Right. You know those street entertainers who have like the one ball and the cup and they mix them all around a bit? Can you do that for me, please? Just mix yourself... Yeah, oh, oh. well, no, yeah, you're doing it. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Lovely. Right. Round two. This is a bit trickier because the banana has moved. Who has the banana? Adam. Adam has the banana. Thank you very much. You can go. Please, please. You, you have done your job. You have done your job. You have passed the test very well. I want to make a profound point that's incredibly simple but sometimes the most profound points are incredibly simple. That is how easy it should be to spot a Christian. Yeah. Jesus says in in Matthew 7, 20, you can tell a tree by its fruit, and so you can tell a person by their actions. Peter calls us, he reminds us to be holy, to live differently with a special purpose. Um, We're reminded 
that we're supposed to leave people wanting more because of our culture, because we're sharing our cultures like foreigners share cultures. Uh, we're reminded that we're supposed to be doing things to, to bless other people in our communities. It's our actions that show that we are Christians. It's our actions that show what we believe. And it should be so simple to, to spot us as believers in the world because we're just out there blessing people we're out there doing things it's not a game of spot the criminal the criminal's trying to blend in the christian's trying to stand out okay not for the wrong reasons but because of love because of love for god because we want to be holy the way that god calls us to be holy um i'm going to share with you no i won't no um kevin from maf shared a few weeks ago the story of the good samaritan and he, uh, it's a story of this guy who goes along the road and he gets beaten up and he gets left for dead. And then someone comes along, they look at him uh, and they walk past and they leave him. Then someone else comes along, does the same thing. And then someone else comes along and they eventually pick up the man, they take care of him uh, and they get him, get, get him sorted out. And uh, there's, a, there's a line that Kevin used. He, he just said, don't walk by. He said that to us as a, as a church, he said that to us as believers, that we are not called to walk by. When we see someone that needs something, we are to meet that need. We are to, we are to stop what we're doing, we're to, we're to put our things down, we are to be a blessing, we are, to, we are to show the love of God. And that's a line that stuck with me over the last few weeks, actually, and it's challenged me because there's all too often where I do walk by. And... Um, and there have been times in the last few weeks where I've thought, no, I'm not actually going to walk by and I have stopped. And when I've asked that question late at night, have I been a blessing in someone else's life? I've been able to say yes, because I didn't walk by, because I did stop. And that, those are the days when I go to bed the happiest, when, I, when I've done something for someone else, when I've been a blessing in someone else's life. Shall we stand? Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.